0: Here we go.
1: The this Goose. I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. Trump <laughs> Shabbos.
0: I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then.
1: <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film.
0: That motherfucker gets me excited about science.
1: But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views.
0: I have the same cup size as Doc <laughs> Hawk.
1: Give me my sandwich.
0: <laughs> no crusts.
1: Was it an instant classic for you?
0: Uh, No. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, movie goers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish.
1: All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, 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 it's me. I wish that was my catchphrase. I don't have a catchphrase or anything like that. You need one. You should get one. I know. Um, so stick I, up. I I got a little I got a little stick 'em. Up. Stick them up. I shouldn't say that if I go into a bank. Um so I got a little internet famous this week. I don't know if you saw that. It was in a it was in it was in a, a kind of negative way, but I no, not really. Anyways, I commented on the Peloton commercial and I didn't mean it in any negative. I love the message that they're trying to send. I just hated how they presented it. That was all I was trying to say. But it got uh, quoted in a NBC article. So, thanks. Question mark. So, yeah. That's a uh, that's my my opening fanfare and pleasantries. <laughs> I like it. I know. How are you? I I miss you. I get to see you in t minus seven days.
0: Oh man, I'm good. Um, quick little story. Yesterday on the, so weird on the way home, I uh, I started crying in my car. <laughs> like I got all teary eyed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is. Like 20 years ago, I remember just looking at a magazine at a newsstand it was Toy Fair magazine and I thought it was the coolest thing to see all these new toys and and what was coming out this year and and I was just like, man, that would be so cool to go there and I've always just sort of daydreamed about going to something like Toy Fair. I'm uh, sure Comic Cons are really cool, but it's, it's just different. I liked the idea of seeing these things, these brand new toys, before they came out, you know, planning for the entire year and On Wednesday, I was in a meeting room planning what our booth layout was going to be and what to expect at Toy Fair 2020. And it was just the coolest feeling in the world to be planning an event like that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So when I was thinking about it on my way home, I just got like emotional. I was like, man, I'm like literally living my dream right now. This is so cool.
1: Dude, that's awesome.
0: There's that. (laughs) I'm a
1: crybaby. No, I mean... (laughs) If what's a life without being moved and to tears, basically? Like I think that's awesome. You accomplished your dream essentially, and you still have some more to go, which is incredible.
0: I just can't get fired until after the event. Otherwise, <laughs> <That's> no, <laughs>
1: <we're not. laughs> well, it sounds like you're killing it over there, and that's awesome. I'm, I'm super happy for you, but yeah, dude, that's 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 badass. Like, I mean, that's very very cool.
0: Nah, not as cool as this movie we we watched. What do we do this week? We're doing The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese. Just came out, hot off the film press. The Irishman, not Iron Man. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's in theaters and on Netflix. Bit of a twoper. I think it's made just under a million dollars as of as we record this podcast. But it's only, excuse me, it's only playing in like three theaters in the world. So
1: not the end of the world,
0: but. Um, It is available to stream on the Netflix.
1: Yeah, and it is in 4K, which is excellent. Um, So I think that's that's great to watch. Uh, This movie is directed by Martin Scorsese, and he is not an up and coming director. (laughs) He's been around the block a little bit. Uh, Justin, are you a Martin Scorsese fan?
0: I I am. I like a lot of his movies.
1: Okay. Um, I
0: I feel like a lot of them are very familiar. They sort of tread the same ground. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Um, you know, i I can watch Casino or Goodfellas um, any day of the week, um, but even even some other ones like Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is actually my very first DVD. I got that with Total Recall. <laughs> really throwing that out there. Yeah. well there was only like 19 movies available on DVD like in
1: 1998
0: Twister so I, was like, I was like um I guess Taxi Driver and we'll go Total Recall there we go that's a good movie <laughs> she calls that. Uh, but even like Raging Bull um, uh, Kundun I don't know if you've ever seen that um, deals with the Dalai Lama having to, to get uh, escape Tibet basically Mm-mm. when the uh, Chinese are attacking Um, it's pretty pretty intense. Actually, saw that was the very first movie I ever saw with my ex-wife. Oh wow! Yeah, we were eating big
1: red gum. Do you remember that? Yeah, the the cinnamon gum.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had that in my pocket. It was great.
1: Your, we are chewing your, it together. Your fresh breath goes on and on while you chew it. Yeah. <laughs> so say goodbye a little longer. Make it last yeah, a little longer. last a
0: little longer with Big Red. 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 Biggest <laughs> piece of gum you've ever had. So much so you'll have nightmares that you just keep pulling gum out of your mouth and you're gagging because it's so gross. <laughs> but you'll, your breath will be so fresh.
1: <laughs> and cinnamon. It will
0: smell like Cinnamon. <laughs> Yeah, could be. Check it out. 1997.
1: Uh, Change of life. um, I really like Martin Scorsese. Uh, I have a buddy, Matt, in Texas, and uh, he loves Scorsese. He is just, like, obsessed with him, or from what I remember, but he does like Scorsese a lot. Um, I can't say that I am a diehard fan of his, but I really like his movies. Um, Mostly, you know, like Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed. Uh, Wolf of Wall
0: Street, do you like Wolf of Wall Street? So,
1: yeah, and I was going to talk about that one, too. So, at first, I really didn't like Wolf. Well, I don't want to say I didn't like it. I just was not as enamored as I am now with it. I think it's awesome. I think it's just all about excess. And Leo gives an amazing performance in it. And just this absurd movie that Scorsese is just like, I can do whatever I want with the camera. And it's really, really cool. So I totally appreciate that movie. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Scorsese fan as well now. But probably not as big as Matt. Yeah. That's
0: fine. I really like Departed, too. When that came out, I was like, holy shit, this movie's crazy.
1: Oh, dude, The Departed is so good. I was I was blown away. I thought it was so good. <laughs> I remember seeing uh, Goodfellas.
0: My my parents rented it. Mm-hmm. I, wait, I didn't see it at the theater. I was 10 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and they they rented it. And you know how the movie starts with Billy Bats in the trunk? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, what yeah. the hell is that noise? <laughs> and then they open it up and then they just start murdering them. Yeah. And uh, my mom's like, whoa. <laughs> i'm just i'm not even sitting i remember this like it was yesterday and i just come into the room and i'm like hey what are you guys watching and then they open up the trunk and it's like stab 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 i'm like whoa this is crazy <laughs> and then i just sat right down and watched it for whatever two and a half hours i was glued little 10 little year old justin is getting ideas of what it means to be a gangster
1: oh man um yeah those movies, seeing those kind of movies, I I can't recall any right now, but um, I'm definitely I've definitely had stories like that where you turn it on. You're like, what the hell am I watching? And I'm right. yeah, I'm 10 years old. I don't know what this is. Maximum Overdrive was one of them for me. That Stephen King movie oh, yeah, it yeah, terrified yeah. me because I saw the lawnmower chasing um the kid around and it's all bloody. And, and then, you know, a lady's hanging from a window with like a hairdryer cord wrapped around her neck. I was mortified. I was like, I'm never drying my hair again and I'm never cutting the grass again. Like <laughs> it was just it was bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Um, <laughs> that actually just reminded me, by any
0: chance, did you ever see
1: the Animatrix shorts? Uh no, I know what they are though. I actually just bought the Matrix in 4K for Black Friday. So I'm pretty excited to watch it. Did it come with the Animatrix? Um, You know, I need to look because it actually might uh, now that I think about it. I I bought it mostly for the digital copy uh, because I don't have a 4K player. Dude, it holds up so well. It's beautiful. But um, I I should check because it might have the Animatrix like with it.
0: I only bring it up because uh, there's one of the shorts deals with um the robots sort of being a part of our lives and then humans being terrible and attacking them there's even like we'll call it a rape scene but like it's really it's really brutal in how the humans treat these machines mm-hmm. and then and then they turn on us and um just that whole stephen king story just kind of reminded me of that it's, it's pretty brilliant the idea of we're we're so dependent on these machines that we use every day and then what happens when they just say, you know what, fuck off, <laughs> curl your own goddamn hair, <laughs> blend your own margaritas, eat a dick. We and, see. uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. But you, for, for a few minutes, it's interesting to, to see uh, through the lens of the robots and the machines, and you literally become sympathetic to their pro- to their problem and you're like, I get it. We're terrible. There you go. <laughs> Use me as a battery.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Reparations. <laughs>
1: Redfordations.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: Oh. Um, oh yeah, cool. Uh, should we should we dive right in? We have dilly-dallied. I like it. I don't, I don't care. I like the dilly-dally. Um, all right, The our Irishman has a fantastic cast. Uh, it stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin and Stephen Graham, amongst some other great character actors. Uh, Dude,
0: fun. Harvey Keitel is in the movie for like eight seconds, and mm-hmm. he, he is amazing. He he's like re- he's really show. good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know if he steals the show, but he's really good. I like that he's like, now's not the time to not talk. I'm like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's he's on he's on scene he's on screen with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. He's the only one doing the talking. Mm-hmm. I think he steals the show. I think he's badass in that scene.
1: He's rekindling his wolf from, uh, from a yeah. Are fiction. You <laughs> um, saying in the wolf? <laughs> <laughs> shit, that's all you had to say. Um, so this is the first time Al Pacino has actually worked with Scorsese, which I think is really cool. Uh, but obviously, this is I think eight the eighth film with Robert De Niro where they've worked together. Just they have this awesome bromance together. Sure. Um, do you have the critical reception in front of you?
0: Um, I do. Are are you ready for
1: this? Yeah, I want to hear what JCC Cavender
0: said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, So, uh, consorting to everyone's favorite, the Rotten Tomatoes, Chris Hewitt, he says, there are 209 minutes in The Irishman and not one of them is wasted. That's a bold statement. that's That's a long movie. I know. Do you believe that there wasn't a minute wasted in this film.
1: Are you asking me personally? Or are you? Yeah, oh, okay. I'm asking you. Uh, I think there was some wasted time for sure. Oh, um, was, a yeah, of, a lot of, a lot of, wasted time. <laughs> a, lot of <laughs> ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Yeah. Yeah. The Cavender cut 90 <laughs> minutes. This <movie's> over. No. <laughs> release, release the Cavender cut. Um, really? Uh, or as the cadaver cut release the cadaver cut. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, I think there's some, and we'll get into that a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I think that this movie could have done the same minus like 30 minutes, but yeah. So
0: so that's Chris Hewitt of, of the Minneapolis star tribune. Mm. How fun. Okay. Um, Let's see. Adam Graham from Detroit news. The Irishman moves slowly and pensively, invests in natural rhythm of conversations, and stops to smell the roses. And stops. And stops. (laughs) It's like if you've ever traveled across country with someone, and they just have to go to the bathroom like every 15 minutes, and you're like, Jesus, tap dancing Christ. (laughs) They even pull over and take breaks in the movie. It's, It's
1: fascinating.
0: I'm like, yeah, you and me both, buddy. We both need breaks.
1: I thought that that was kind of funny. Yeah,
0: how about that? Hmm. here we go uh moira mcdonald from the seattle times up in uh zachary's in neck of the woods uh uh-huh. yeah say hi talk to her take her out hi
1: hi sure Please. she'll love that hello <laughs> moira hello let's talk about the irishman did you see uh, my peloton tweet i'm famous
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah check this shut <laughs> out See those hearts? There's like 282 hearts on that tweet. It's a, lot of, a lot, of hearts on that tweet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, hearts are like, what is Twitter? I, they're likes. They're they're hearts, but they're likes. Yeah. Oh, okay, it is a heart though, right? I got confused. Yep. Or yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A heart. Okay.
0: yeah. Uh, let's see. She says the Irishman is long to be sure but it's nevertheless <laughs> holy shit uh, thank you Captain Obvious here we go um, Scorsese, <laughs> De Niro, Pacino and Fesci that's four, there's a lot of people all in their mid to late 70s are each carrying a lifetime of work with practiced ease yeah um, I, I will agree that it does not appear that any one of these people phoned in their performance That they were all, they all brought their A game, they all elevated each other, and it was both familiar and, I guess, sort of pleasing to the eye just to kind of see it all. Like, it's almost like a one last hurrah for a lot of these
1: guys to be together in one movie. Oh, yeah. This is like the culmination of what they've been trying to do, essentially. And it's kind of, I mean, Joe Pesci has been retired for a long time and he refused to do this role, but finally, you know. 50 no's was a yes in this case. And he went ahead and took the role and he knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was a different nuanced role than what he normally does. And I think it just was phenomenal. But yeah, they were all feeding off each other the whole time.
0: Yeah, like hungry, hungry hippos. That's a very
1: loud game.
0: (laughs) Just throwing that out there. If I could think hungry, hungry hippos for just a second, I would
1: say it's a little loud. <laughs> what are you doing in your room? I'm playing Hungry <laughs> Hungry <laughs> Leave me With alone. my friends. <laughs> <With> my friends. <laughs> my tea
0: party friends. Uh, uh, here we go. Bill Goody Coontz. That's a real name. At least that's what he posted here. Uh, from the Arizona Republic. The Irishman is cinema of the highest
1: order. Wow. Ooh, that's a high order.
0: Now... I noticed these are a lot of positive reviews. <laughs> I know. Do you think that critics are just afraid to be that asshole that says, you know, what? I didn't really like it all that
1: much. <laughs> no, I've, um, I've been, I've been reading and I don't have stuff to back it up. So this is from my gospel, but I've been reading and seeing things that people are complaining about it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, and we can talk about that more. But I think there's there are some out there that I uh, do complain about the runtime. Uh, they complain that it's just kind of boring and that the um, CG was very the CGI was very distracting. The de-aging stuff. Right. Uh, so that's that's yeah. funny that you mentioned that. Let's talk about that really quick. The de-aging.
0: Sure. So all yeah. of these gentlemen are... Um, mid 70s yeah they're senior citizens without a doubt and uh they they can go for the early bird special at four o'clock at the sizzler and and make out like bandits and um (laughs) the de-aging brought them down to a a ripe 40s (laughs) (laughs) -40s, i'm just like
1: 46 (laughs) i'm
0: like and i'm thinking okay i'm I am thirty nine and a half in just twenty five short days, and <laughs> they look hardened. Like I feel pretty young and youthful, and mm-hmm. you know I don't have a single gray hair on me. But then I'm thinking in nineteen seventy, I probably would have been smoking and drinking, and just living a life of, uh, of, of uh, you know not good (laughs) living the life of not good i got the daughters i got the i got the business uh, where i'm hauling the meats and i would i would probably be rough and tough as well um but i did think it was funny to see 70 year old men be de-aged to the mid-40s and still just look like old guys right not that 40 years old they just looked old for 40.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you you can do what you can do. They I, so, Some of it, so along the lines of what you're saying too, like when he beats up the shop owner <laughs> in it, slow it motion? Looks, <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks very much like they were that was like a gag reel or something. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: oh. Those, those
1: punches did not sell me at all. And then no. when he's stomping on the hand,
0: it's like it's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna stomp on your hand really fast. Check this shit out. And I then, Are you okay? I'm stomp, are you okay? Let me let me stomp again. Hold on.
1: Yeah. Are you, are you all right? Did that one hurt? <laughs> so yeah, so some of that stuff kind of sucked. Um, but I think like I said, this is more nuanced and and I appreciate how um they still tried and still made it work. And those things were trivial. They bothered me a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't horrible.
0: Sure. So. Do you have a favorite shot of the film? Because I certainly
1: do. Oh goodness. Uh I have a few. Um can you take a guess what my favorite s- shot was? Favorite shot are you, are you saying like scene like long take or just a, a yeah. single still? <laughs>
0: no, it's like a like a like a take. Yeah, a scene.
1: Uh when Frank goes to the oyster bar and shoots up um kills Joe, uh, I can't remember his name. Joe, Joe Gallo or whatever his is. So that was good. Mm- um I liked the
0: barbershop. It was the long steady cam <laughs> yes. shot. Yes. Uh, very familiar very reminiscent to to Goodfellas when he's coming into the back of the the restaurant so we get to see all the goings ons all the people everything that's happening it totally set up that whole sort of marketplace that was carrying on as business as usual yeah. that ultimately was disturbed by the gunshots. And and the camera goes in one way, it shows the barbershop, then it goes out of the building, uh, into where all the other shops are, and then when it comes to the the hitman, the camera turns right back around and goes right where we just came. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah.
1: Did you think that the guy that had his neck out, and this may be because of other gangster films that I've seen, anytime I see a barbershop scene, I'm like, Nope, if they're using a straight razor, I'm like, That guy's dead. Yeah, I thought he was gonna get a
0: throat slit. I wasn't prepared yep. for him to get shot,
1: but yeah. Well, I think that's because of this genre of this uh, mob, you know, gangster film genre is it's conditioned us to see that kind of stuff or to expect that stuff like Eastern Promises. Oh, Oh,
0: yuck. That was gross when they're just naked cutting each other. Penises dangling everywhere. I like that part. (laughs) I just didn't like the (laughs) the razors.
1: Oh, God, that was a a brutal movie. All right. Uh, can I give you some fun facts for the day? For yes. What do you got? Hit me with some. Well, facts. So this movie is actually based off of uh, a book called I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Uh, that that line is said often in the film. It's actually has a um, a letterhead, I guess, for uh, certain scenes. Like, I think as soon as it starts about five minutes in to when it starts, it shows that I heard you paint houses. Um, it's
0: like, yeah. And then the whole the the intro with the voiceover uh, mm-hmm. which course, he's a fan of is the storytelling um the like two minutes and like 20 seconds into it is our first killing and that was i always thought paying houses was or i always thought whatever <laughs> people i don't even remember <laughs> what the line was like yeah i thought when people said they're paying houses that meant that they're really paying houses or some shit i don't remember the
1: line but yeah but yeah that it was two minutes into it Interesting. Yeah. So we, we get, we get a look at who Frank is right away. Um, special effects, Titan, industrial light and magic. Uh, they're famous for Lord of the Rings and such, um, is providing the work to de-age the actors. According to Al Pacino, there were, they would, there would be computers on the camera sides during production to track and follow the cast for the actors to work with. Pacino said that he'd be playing Hoffa at different ages as told by the crew at ages like 39 or 48, uh, period. Pacino said when told that his performance was to be at that age, he'd refer to a memory around that time and try to physically and mentally perform as if he were that age. So 39 or 48. I don't know what a 39 or 48 Al Pacino would be doing. Mm. Yelling on mm-hmm. lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Martin Scorsese claimed that uh, for one shot of Jimmy Hoffa getting out of his car he had to reluctantly ask 78 year old Al Pacino for another take since Pacino's rise from the chair was a bit too noticeably stiff for Hoffa's age of 47 in the scene Pacino performed the scene again and quipped 62 And he probably yelled it too 62
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Ha>!
1: <laughs> that's, that's my Pacino <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 um, like
0: in heat he yells so much Oh my god, and he's I know, like, right? When I listen to that, pitch? and he's because like, 'Cause she's got a great ass,
1: and you got yeah, that's your right.
0: head all the way up it.'
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, any given Sunday, he yells a ton too. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he's a he's, coach,
0: he's gonna yell for yeah, the sidelines. And there's one part where Damn. he roars, <laughs> he
1: takes his headset off and roars like a lion. Damn, Cameron Diaz. Uh, this is the seventh film, so seventh, yeah, to film feature. Uh, I'm sorry, seventh film featuring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, uh, the others being Raging Bull, Once Upon a Time in America, Goodfellas, Casino, A Bronx Tale, and The Good Shepherd. So they clearly have a history. They're they're, they're buddies. It's like if you and I were to make a movie, I'd be De Niro. You'd be Pesci. What, what, Probably.
0: Oh, that, that was the amount of times that Pesci and De Niro were together.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I'm wondering then how many times De Niro and Scorsese have worked a together because Goodfellas <laughs> Casino, Once Upon a Time, that's three. Uh, comedy, uh, Taxi Driver. Bronx Tale, that was King of Comedy. That's right, Taxi Driver. Uh, he might have done a Cape Fear. Um,
0: did he do Cape Fear?
1: I don't know if he did a Cape Fear. Uh, Counselor! Um, I'll look it up. But uh, anyways, they, uh, obviously they're really good together. Um Pacino and Pesci. It was Scorsese. You're right. Cape Fear. Holy crap. I like that movie. I'm going to have to rewatch that one of these days. Uh, All right. So the the word F U C K um, and all permutations of it are used 136 times in this movie. This marks the sixth (laughs) film directed by Martin Scorsese to contain more than 100 uses of the word fuck after Raging Bull, 114, Goodfellas, 300 times. Yeah. (laughs) Casino has a lot too. How many times do you think Casino says it? Uh,
0: Probably like 400.
1: 422. The The, the Departed 237. And guess how many The Wolf of Wall Street has? Uh, It's a lot.
0: 572.
1: Holy buckets. You were close. Five sixty
0: nine. Oh, man. If oh, I would have been over on prices, right? One dollar.
1: <laughs> you don't win the Chrysler se- Sebring. No,
0: I'm uh, fucked. Dude, five hundred
1: sixty nine times they said the F word. That's crazy. Dude, That's too much. swearing.
0: There's one part in casino that I was reminded of when I was watching uh, The Irishman. And that is when when we were talking about when De Niro was beating up the guy that was mean to his daughter and he was and he broke his hand <laughs> and He's like my fucking head, <laughs> and uh, there's a part in Casino when he goes to see his bookie, and he's like, I th- you, I th- "You," he's like, "You taking?" I thought you was laying down. He's like, "No, I'm taking." And he takes his money, and then he, he's like, "You don't got it. It's right here." And then he hits him in the head with a wad of cash, and the guy's like, "Hey, my fucking head!" <laughs> it just <laughs> makes me laugh every time because then the Pesci repeats it. We were fucking it. Oh, it's so great. Oh, and, okay, so. That's really interesting because Casino and Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, um, a lot of, of, I mean, that's just three, but even Taxi Driver, they're very quotable. There's a lot of quotable lines in these movies, and I can't think of a single one from The Irishman with the exception of um, when when, I heard you paint houses that. And then when Pacino's Mm. talking about uh, if there's a gun, you run towards them. If there's a knife, you run away. <laughs> Gun, you charge, knife, you run away. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh,
1: those are the only two lines that I remember. I remember it is what it is. Uh, when Russ is talking to Jimmy at the uh, at Frank's ceremony, uh-huh. and he's like the family spoken, you know, and, and you're done or whatever. And then he's like, he's trying to be nice to me. He's like, it is what it is. And he goes, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Um. Yeah, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything that that uh, Pesci said was phenomenal. But um you're right. I, I don't know if I can recall every line from it just because it was so long. But yeah, I do remember a few. So. You know, you
0: know which movie I thought was a dud for Scorsese? What?
1: Was Gangs of New York? I liked Gangs of New York. I really liked uh, Bill the Butcher. I yeah, thought, well, he, he was Dan, great. Dan he Dan was, Dan Dan was Dan
0: great. Was, but yeah. I don't think that there was anything else exciting about that movie at all. I was, yeah. I was always scared when uh, The Butcher was on screen because I didn't know what he was going to do. He was so unpredictable. But other than that, I was like, all right, I never need to watch this ever again.
1: Mm-hmm. The, and then Cameron Diaz's Irish accent was atrocious. I don't remember but... that. Oh, <laughs> it was bad. But... I like her. <laughs> I
0: think she's so funny.
1: I like Cameron Diaz, too.
0: I like, I like Night and Day. Have you seen that
1: with Tom Cruise? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so funny. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. You should it. watch it. <laughs> Maybe. The <right>, greater good.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, continue. Uh, I'm, I'm
0: Mr. Tangent
1: uh, tonight. I apologize. It's totally fine. You drink your tangerines. Oh, yeah. My grape, grape juice. do <laughs> Or no,
0: my grape juice. <laughs> the purple Okay, stuff.
1: grape juice. <laughs> oh, you know, that's gross. Like, uh,
0: we got some purple stuff. Uh, hey, Sunny D. I'm I'm the the one drinking the purple stuff.
1: (laughs) Oh, and vomiting all over the carpet. (laughs) Gross. All right. Well, here's a quick synopsis of The Irishman. Uh, This this was written this was written by me on the bus ride home today. So bear with me. A story told over three decades is presented to an ambiguous audience through the narration of an elderly man in a retirement home. It goes like this: Frank Sheeran is an up and coming hustler, just trying to make some extra money. When Frank meets Philadelphia crime boss Russ Buffalino, he takes a liking to his patriarchal figure and quickly begins doing some dirty work for him. Due to his time spent in the army, Frank turns out to be a natural-born killer. Eventually, Russ tells Frank that a friend at the top called him and wanted to meet. Enter Jimmy Hoffa, labor union hero with very deep pockets to bridge the mop and political background. Hoffa enlists the help of Frank to paint houses and help the union cause. Frank and Hoffa build a close friendship through the years as Hoffa keeps financing the mob. All is well until Hoffa goes to prison for five years for fraud. Hoffa pisses off a mob boss slash union president, Tony Pro, as everything starts to fall apart. During a ceremony celebrating Frank, Russ tells Hoffa that the family is going to proclaim him done. It is what it is. Hoffa challenges this and claims that no one can touch him. Whilst on a road trip collecting payments, Russ informs Frank that the family wants Hoffa dead and that Frank will have to do it. Frank has no choice, so is forced to fly to Detroit to kill his mentor and friend. In a remarkably tense 30 minutes, Frank eventually lures Hoffa into a house and shoots him in the back as blood literally paints the walls. With Hoffa dead, Frank's family discovers or disowns him as he contemplates if it was worth it. Frank and Russ eventually go to prison as they grow old. Everyone from the mob family dies off over time as Frank begins telling his story to an unknown audience. Frank confesses his sins, apprehensions, regrets, and doubts to anyone that will listen. Frank just now realizes that the massive grave that he dug himself may be too big to escape, regardless of how hard he worked for it. You like it? That was good. So that's your (laughs) that's your three and a half hour Irishman. I obviously cut out a little bit of it because there's a bunch of other intricacies, but that is the basic plot. Uh, It follows three main characters. You have Frank Sheeran, the played by Robert De Niro. Um. He is here, a. Mo- <laughs> he's in love with the- he's in love with your body. <laughs> I
0: am in love with the shape of your body. Then. So I he, am in love with the shape of you. So AI, AI. AI. Oh okay. god.
1: <laughs> You're not
0: the only one that sings around here, God. I know.
1: I made a bet with myself. <laughs> I just I'm lost a buck. I want a, <laughs> yeah. <on> a rock. <laughs> So um, Frank Sheeran is the hitman for the mob. Uh, Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. And then um, Joe Pesci plays Russ Buffalino. Uh, so yeah, basically Wait, right off the bat. Isn't, oh, isn't Ray Romano? Ahead. Did you say Ray Romano? He, he is. Ray Romano's in this. Um, oh, no, I, didn't... I, I thought I heard a different name. Isn't he the Buffalino guy? He's also a Buffalino. He oh. is, uh, I think, Bill Buffalino. He's that. that that's how they, yeah, that's how they um, that's how Frank and Russ are reacquainted because they meet at the truck stop and then they get reacquainted after Bill is is Frank's attorney for his labor dispute. Got it. And then they go out for dinner and he's like, hey, this is my cousin Russ. And he's like, oh, whoa. And then they speak Italian to each other. Oh, they that's recall right. how do you know, Italian. That's right. Yep. Yep, and then he gets to meet uh, Vito, I think it's Vito, uh, Harvey Keitel, and whatnot. But yeah, it's pretty cool. The wolf, the wolf.
0: You know who's That's all yeah, you had to say. You know who's in
1: this movie? The guy that you just said was the
0: the Buffolino, Ray Romano. No, the other guy. Tony Pro. No, Stephen like Graham. Razor something. <laughs> Razor Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a skinny Pete and a fat Tony and all these other guys in this movie. <laughs> oh, forget, I forget his name, it doesn't matter. But he, I was gonna say, I really liked him as an actor. Now, anyway, um, skinny razor, that's who I was thinking of. The guy that's like, Hey, I want to deliver you steak at the beginning. Oh, Bobby, uh, Cob- Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, yeah, that
1: guy. I love that dude. I like him too. He's good. Uh, <laughs> he always reminds me of the movie The Other Guys when he's like, You shot Derek Cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a funny dude. He, he yeah, does funny. everything.
0: He can be a, he can be comedian, or he can just be like a real dick and an asshole.
1: It's funny. I know um, he's yeah he's he's good, and I feel like he's he's picked up over the the past few years. Yeah, for his uh his repertoire.
0: He was on um Nurse
1: Jackie, and he That's had right. this
0: really interesting role where his son was just a complete fuck up, and and he just was couldn't deal, and it was it was really great. And he was a doctor, and he's trying to you know, like, hey, I'm better than everybody in this hospital, but really he was just as vulnerable and, and a bad dude. And he was really good in that, too. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. I just want to say I like him. It's a good guy.
1: He should <laughs> go see him. Him. <laughs> um, what, uh, so, so what did you think of this movie? I agree
0: with a lot of the, the obvious was that it was long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think um that score says he was so in love with this movie that he didn't want to cut much out of it and i think that as an audience member i would have appreciated a little bit shorter of a movie um but um i thought it was good i i i, I like it but i i'm in no rush to watch this movie again which is weird because departed i saw like 5 times really quickly. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I love this movie so much. Oh my God, I love this movie so much. Casino, I've seen. I could probably recite the whole goddamn movie, Casino. I've seen it so many times. Probably my favorite. I think that Casino is my favorite Scorsese movie, which is kind of weird, but I think what I like most about it is sort of the it's almost presented in like a document uh, a documentary mm-hmm. on how casinos work <laughs> for mm-hmm. like the first hour and it's it's really good like i just i like the pacing of casino a lot and cuz cuz it's like it's just one scene after another it's all ramped up and you're just along for this crazy ride and then it's just a crash and burn and you <laughs> just got to sit there and watch these people just crumble and fall apart mm-hmm. whereas this movie i felt like the formula was someone dies there's a sit-down meeting, lots of discussion, then there's uh oh hey, we gotta go deal with this, and then there's an explosion, someone dies, then there's a meeting, then there's an <laughs> explosion, then someone dies, then there's a meeting, and it just felt like the same thing over and over and over again for three and a half hours. It was good because I like the conversations that were being had. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't go to a, a Scorsese movie for the action, as it were, you go for the characters and the and the the dialogue, mm-hmm. but um, I really liked Pacino scenes, um, and I really liked Joe Pesci, like you said. And I still think that my my biggest takeaway was that three minute scene with Harvey Keitel. I thought he was so badass. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, I liked it. I'm glad I saw it, but it is very familiar. It, as you watch it, I is when I was texting you, I was like two hours in. I was like, <laughs> I feel like I've kind of seen this movie before, man. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Scorsese kind of likes that time period. The he's he's kind of stuck on the seventies and eighties in a lot of his mob movies,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, it's fine. It's a palette that he's obviously you know mastered and he's comfortable with. But I think what's really cool for me is when he steps out of that comfort zone. You know, some of the movies that I said that I liked were you know like The Departed or uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Kundun. I think it's really cool when he can step away from that mob movie for a little bit and do something different. So mm-hmm. my favorite mob movies are uh, Goodfellas Casino and like Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. And that's three very awesome movies. And it's cool to have another one, but uh, it didn't bring anything new to the table for me.
1: So... I think that, um, a lot to unravel there. I appreciate everything you said though. Um, so do you think that he can make this film? Like if he cut 30 minutes from it, do you think he could have done that? Because remember, this is his, this is his work. Like this is what he does. Do you think that he could have cut 30 minutes from this film?
0: Uh,
1: I think so. Because originally it was supposed to be four hours and he wanted to make it into a two-part movie.
0: And that's fine too. I would have done that. Yeah. I, I could have enjoyed that. Or it could have even been uh, whatever, like six 45-minute episodes or something. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of his storytelling works that way where you don't need to sit through that long. It's it's more fun when it's uh, in doses and you you're left wanting more. Right. At one point I was like, Fuck, I don't want to check my watch when I'm going to. Yeah, like, I, 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 paused I did too. it too. See how much time was left.
1: I, I did that like, too. How, how
0: long have I been sitting here? And 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 when you're in a movie theater, you can't do that. You just gotta. Right. I mean, I'd, I'd turn off my phone. I don't have my watch because I'm afraid that it's gonna have some sort of hiccup and it's gonna light up and piss everybody <laughs> off or whatever. So I I have going blind and mm-hmm. um I I just felt like I had to just press pause for a second to see how much time was left and I was like. Ninety-one minutes, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's only been i halfway, but I mean, halfway of a three and a half hour movie is a full feature film." And I was like, "Okay, cool, no big deal. Just, just kind of eyeballing." And then I did it again, and I still had like forty-two minutes left, and I was like, "Fuck!"
1: Come yeah, on, man. So my, um, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it was really long, and it was hard at times to. Because I would pause it, and be like, "Holy crap! I'm only an hour into it." But um, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So uh, you were talking about how, like, you love Casino and all these other movies and uh, the crime drama, the gra- the gangster film. Uh, my only question that I'll pose: So I, I, I really liked this movie. Um, I didn't love it, but I really liked it a lot, and I'm very glad I saw it. And I think I can highly recommend it to everybody. I just think that. People need to go into it knowing it's a very long movie um, and just to try to pay attention because there's a lot of names that get thrown out. I watched it with subtitles and that helped a lot, but there's a lot of Tonys getting thrown out there. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to really pay attention. But um, kind of what with you what you were saying kind of with the casino and stuff, I'm wondering if it's just like the Tarantino craze where there are certain people that think Tarantino can do no wrong. I believe there are a ton of people that think Scorsese can do no wrong. And Everything he puts out is really good. Now they're not it's not very far fetched because he does a fantastic job at directing, but I don't think everything he does is a home run. I didn't like the aviator. A lot of people liked it. I didn't like that one. Um <laughs> that's so, where I got that's where I got spruce this goose. I know. <laughs>
0: this is a, this ghost. I know,
1: funny. but like way of the future.
0: Hmm? Yeah, way of the future.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a long one. But um, like, I, I didn't really like that. But some people are swear no wrong by him, basically. Uh, so I I think it's it's hard to really say, hey, you should cut this down because you never want to restrict an artist per se, because once studios get involved, it gets all crazy. That's why I think he probably was turned on by Netflix, because this is his longest running feature film. And Netflix is like, hey, here's a bunch of money. Do whatever you need to do, because we trust you, because you're Scorsese. So and I think he delivered pretty well. Sure. But um with I like that you asked what my favorite scene was because I truly loved watching this movie from a cinematic standpoint. Um, I think he's a true auteur, and his use of like transitions and different title cards and long takes and just different tracking shots and what have you were so fun. And he did a lot of time shifts with it. So there was a hospital scene. I can't remember. I think it was when Russ was older and he's, he walks. Yeah, so,
0: so there's like three times. Yeah. Three times. Three standout time periods. There's sort of the 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 future, uh, or like we can say the present, I guess, and yeah. then you know, the the way, way back past
1: and then the middle. hmm And it keeps flip flopping through those. Flippity flippity flop. hmm um, but he, he he did a good job of blending all of that together, and I th- I think that worked really well with with his uh, his camera technique and everything. Um, I also like the narration, the the voiceover narration. He loves doing that. Uh, I just I really liked it. Um, I think it worked well with this because this would have been a way longer movie if we didn't have it. <laughs> so yeah. I I do appreciate what he did with that.
0: Did you happen to notice any like standout establishing shots that would sort of tell the audience? what time period we're in every time I went to it?
1: Um, I
0: wasn't thinking of it as I was watching it, but just as we're talking about it, I'm just yeah. trying to see if there was some sort of familiar thing that would happen to let us know that, oh, this is a, a super mega flashback, or in the middle,
1: or present day. No, you know, I don't think so. I think it was just uh, the de-aging would, would wear off. Something would happen. Yeah. And, and when you could see them clearly in their, like, 60s or whatever, you're like, oh, okay, the de-aging's off now.
0: Yeah. You got salt uh, and pepper, and then you got yes yeah.
1: the salt. Salt and pepper's here. <laughs> salt, salt, salt. <laughs> um, what do you think is so? This movie is it doesn't stray away from any type of violence, and Scorsese is big into violence and almost kind of over the top killing. So we see that in Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed. Uh, what do you think is Scorsese's obsession with violence, and why is it so extreme? I think just to show that it's an ugly world, to remind you that yeah,
0: he. he Sort of gives these this this glamorizes the life that these characters are in mm-hmm. and I think that the violence is sort of that whiplash to remind to snap you back to reality that this is a cruel and harsh world and this is the ugly side of it mm-hmm. and I would think
1: that that's it and I think that that's exemplified I mean we we're we we're poking fun at that that uh, shop owner scene but I think the message behind that is like he went and beat the crap out of the shop owner because he yelled at his daughter. Right. And his daughter is now this implanted this thing in his daughter's brain. And she's like, I am terrified of my father because he just beat the crap out of this guy for no reason. Um, it, it, It might've been a trivial reason. And then we see things like the riverbed of guns and De Niro, is basically saying you could arm a small country with how many guns are down there or something like that. Uh, just showing how violent Philadelphia is. (laughs) It's quite gnarly. It's not all cheese sticks. It's not all cheese sticks. (laughs) A lot of crime, a lot of crime there. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, 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 think that he does a interesting job with it. Uh, things like casino when Joe Pesci gets killed, I, oh, with the I, bat? I, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um it's hardcore. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the gunshot wounds to like, the back of the head and all that stuff, we see that mm-hmm. a lot in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I think the thing with the bat is that he has to watch his brother get murdered first. And you're like, oh, that was terrible. And then, and then it cuts to Joe Pesci getting the bat, and they're still breathing when they're being buried alive and it's yeah it's, it's, it's <laughs> that, that that is hard to watch i'm, I'm not gonna lie that's 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 cringeworthy it was really hard to watch
1: i think i think you, you, you hit the nail on the head with that one though i think that it scorsese wants to constantly remind us like hey this is a pretty gnarly world it's not all sunshine and rainbows around here so right. um and i mean and and i think that is exemplary of this lifestyle that frank chooses is he is in this mob. It's his family and it is it is violent. Um, it's not going to be he's not going to be an errand boy. His errands are you're going to go kill this guy and then you're going to throw your gun in the river. I mean, it's it's brutal. And that's the life he chose. I think it's just that constant reminder to us that we shouldn't be rooting for Frank per se, because this guy's a murderer. So and, and he's, a bad guy. <laughs> he's a 45 or 47 or 48 year old murderer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah So these
0: guys mean businesses
1: these guys mean businesses um, I think that this movie did a really good job with building tension throughout it so I, I, you were saying that people see these Scorsese movies for the character building and I 100% agree with you uh, he is great at his character development and I think that there are so many awesome scenes in this movie that were not a fast paced action scene, but the tension built just through the dialogue and just through the nonverbal communication of these actors. Um, Things like when Frank gets pulled to the diner to talk to Angelo, to Harvey Keitel, after he burnt down that, um, what was it? The laundromat mill the laundry mm-hmm. mill he was yeah he was going to right i don't think or he, he was did. going okay yeah he was going to and he gets pulled in and i honestly was like dude is he gonna die but then i forgot that he's narrating the whole thing right
0: so, like, and, that, and that's the thing too right is you think that because he's narrating it he's gonna be safe mm-hmm. but um casino taught us that that's not always the case yeah because um you know joe pesci was talking through most of that movie too and he didn't make it
1: yeah no i agree so um I, I thought that that into to what you were saying too, uh Harvey Keitel is awesome in that scene because you really get a sense of kind of what's going on and it just, you finally get that, that breath that you can release after he's like, Russ really likes you. And you know, he doesn't, he, he basically saved his life at that point. You're like, holy shit. Right. Um, when Jimmy's giving the speech in Miami and, um, and Frank is scoping the audience uh, when Frank is just like his, He's his bodyguard, and he's looking through the audience, and it zooms in at all these teamsters who are, you know, clapping and cheering. But he's looking for the one guy who's going to try to pull a gun, and we get to kind of vicariously see it through Frank's eyes. Even that was tense, um, and then of of course, like the final thirty minutes, which were, I think, masterclass filmmaking. But um, you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think that this film did a really good job of building very tense scenes in a very Scorsesean way so there you go yeah yeah, yeah. i think um, his
0: movies are i mean uh with a lot of the directors that we are are accustomed to watching um you know they have their trademarks all over them you could have you never seen this movie you could walk into a room and be like oh this is movie. Totally <laughs>
1: oh yeah i yeah i think those are those are some of his trademarks for sure yeah he's i he's think nolan's trademarks. that way mm-hmm.
0: tarantino is that way uh, Cohen that way Cohen oh. brothers sure mm-hmm. sorkin michael bay uh, yeah it's all stuff that you just like oh yeah, yeah. there's a helicopter that's got to be a michael
1: bay movie <laughs> paul green dress there's a transformer it's got to be a michael bay movie <laughs> there, there's an armageddon <laughs> so,
0: i mean i do think that that's great though that they've 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 sort of mastered their craft in a way that they just sort of leave their their signature on each film cell which i think is great you know, you look at a painting there's always that signature on the bottom right hand corner. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for movies. You know, they all have their way, but not, I know that there are a billion directors out there, but we hope trying to keep this to an hour. So otherwise we sure. would just keep. Oh, it. totally.
1: totally. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll pose this two-parter then. Uh, so let's talk about the scene where Joey Gallo uh, or Joe. Yeah. Joey Gallo. Remember him? He had the sunglasses. This was in their like sixties time. Uh, he was, Uh, a mob boss who's one of the head bosses but um it was his birthday and they were uh both russ and frank were at a table and they had that comedian who was don rickles and he was making like the racist jokes and stuff um joe gallo approached russ after that and talked about his pin that italian's resistance or whatever it was and he's like why are you wearing this pin and russ is like you know, don't disrespect me, blah, blah, blah. And Joe gets mad at him. And then Frank has to calm him down. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, and then Frank calms him down and he's like, fuck off or whatever. And walks away. So they don't say a single word to each other. As soon as Frank sits down, Russ just looks at him and it's like shot reverse shot. And you just see in his eyes. And we all know if you've been paying attention, (laughs) you you know what needs to happen. (laughs) And then it, um, it immediately cuts to the narration and the bed scene with all the guns laid out. I was almost clapping. I thought that that was so good. I thought it was, it was damn near flawless. The narration, the pacing, the, the built up tension. Um, so goddamn good. And then he, he goes through De Niro goes through and explains what gun to use. And he has this logic behind it too. He's like, you, It's a, you know, it's a a family diner. He's going to be with his family. His kids will be watching. That's good. They need to know how this is. And I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) Um, And then he talks about, you know, you need one to make a sound. You need it to be loud. So you don't need a silencer or whatever because you want to make a statement. Uh, I thought that that was so well done and then it finally gets to the scene where you know he pulls up and he's like just circle around the block and come pick me up and he's like if, if you go into a building you need to go to the bathroom first to release your, your tension but also check and make sure no one followed you in and then he goes for this though for these quick ones I don't need to go to the bathroom and just goes in and starts shooting up the place um, dude I thought that that scene was so good and it was one of my more favorite scenes of the year easily yeah
0: I liked that a lot
1: Yeah, I I just thought that that was remarkable, and I think that that a reason why this movie is getting a lot of praise is is for stuff like that because there's multiple scenes like that in this film. Yeah, every twenty minutes. (laughs) Yeah, and squirt. Sit (laughs) down, sit down, sit down. Kill. but, but it's not it's not just a, a mindless kill. I mean, Scorsese is so good at crafting it and building this type of anticipation for what's going to happen and also treating us as intellectuals. He's not treating us. He's not spoon feeding us stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of times in American cinema, we get spoon fed plots like they easily could have been. Russ could have easily said you need to kill him and make sure you make it loud with a statement right. and, and in front of his family or something. So, but it, yeah. Yeah.
0: There was some spoon figging that I actually appreciated. And that was um, anytime it introduced a new character, there would be sort of like a title card of who they were and how they were killed and
1: when they were killed. I really liked that. I thought that was badass.
0: (laughs) I I, I really (laughs) liked that. That's good to know.
1: I, I like that uh, Tony Jack, uh, he was friends with Tony Pro. It's like, died of natural causes. Everyone liked him. <laughs>
0: yeah. like, oh. The one guy. <laughs> Everyone looked the bullet in the face. Or, yeah, or car bomb. The face. Yeah, uh, car bomb. Ooh, the car bomb. That was a good one, too. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, His wife, car, Joe. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the end of me. I'm going to turn this key and I'm going to die. And then she just is like, you know what? Fuck it. And she does it.
1: I know how they kept cutting between the, the car blowing up too and it just kind of threw yeah. it for a loop. I thought that was great. Um so between the big three, I'm gonna call them Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino, who do you think was the strongest performance and who do you think was the weakest performance? It's a hard question.
0: That is a hard question. Right? Um, <laughs> so all three of these characters or actors rather have played all of these parts in some capacity in, in their career. And I, that's, that's a really tough question. I feel like Pacino was Pacino and De Niro was De Niro. But I think Joe Pesci is always sort of the wild one in those movies. And what's interesting is that he, this time, he was the calm and reserved one. He was the scary guy that, that didn't have to do anything. Before, he was the, like, the little guy syndrome that was always just murdering everybody. And this time he was the shot caller. And I thought that was pretty unique. And I think you pulled it off. So I would say that Joe Pesci was probably my favorite. I think Pacino was the most animated and I believed him and I enjoyed every scene that he was in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would probably say uh, Pesci, uh, Pacino, then De Niro, but being third in this is certainly not last place. Right. (laughs) That's just me having to rank them. I think that,
1: I think that that would be the way that I would do it. I completely agree. Um, I think that Joe Pesci stole this movie for me. Um, I think that he was so brilliant and he did. He played a different role than what he normally does. And that was I think that that was the big selling point from Marty to Joe was, hey, you're not going to play this flies off the handle kind of crazy guy like, haha, funny. Uh, you're going to play a very. I wouldn't say melatonin, but very, very laid back type of boss, but also incredibly sinister at the same time. Yeah. Reserved is a good one. Yeah. He's, he's a reserved, ruthless boss because certain scenes, like when they have breakfast and he tells Frank, you have to go kill Jimmy. He's like, you know, there's no other way, Frank, how he's saying it is so disturbing to me because Frank has zero say in it. Even though, even though Russ is trying to be consoling, you can tell that it's like, you're you're going to go do this. Hey, I'm sorry, but you're going to go do this. Right, And it's so incredible because here's little Joe Pesci, little 75-year-old Joe Pesci or however old he is, and I'm terrified of him. I thought that that was brilliant, and I think that I want to see him in more stuff. I just don't know how much he's going to act now, but... Right. Uh, so it goes Pesci De Niro and Pacino for me. Um, I really liked Al Pacino. He just didn't do it as well for De Niro for me just because I was so transfixed on De Niro's performance and his story throughout this movie. Um, his eyes got kind of distracting a little bit, his blue eyes. But other than that, I thought the de-aging was actually pretty cool and it worked pretty well. But uh, yeah, Pesci De Niro Pacino for me. Cool. Um, yeah. So oh, I those two. Let's see what else. Oh yeah. Um, I want to talk about that climax of the film. I've been talking about it for a little bit, that big tension building 30 minutes. That's at the end. Um, it's at the two and a half hour mark. So I guess not necessarily the last 30 minutes, maybe <laughs> it's the last hour, but it's 30 minutes. Um, yeah. It's uh it's the scene in which Frank is assigned to kill Jimmy. Um, the part. So should we lay it out there or should we just kind of just assume basically? So Russ tells Frank, Hey, you have no choice. You have to go kill Jimmy. And it was supposed to be a meeting, kind of like a parlay. Uh, Frank doesn't want to. And Russ tells him, you can't call Jimmy. Frank doesn't want to because this is his other mentor. Frank has two mentors. He has Russ and and Jimmy. And that's exemplified in the ring that Russ gives Frank. And then the watch that Jimmy gives Frank. And we see that. And he's even wearing that when when he performs the Jimmy Hoffa murder. But the slow buildup of just taking the plane there, grabbing the car, driving past the uh, the country club and seeing him parked, um, driving to that house. The whole time, in the back of my mind, I was like, please don't do this. You 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 do not need to do this. And then you see that, that snake that he picks up. I can't remember that guy's name. He was uh, a hitman for the mob earlier. And then they get in the car, the whole fish thing in the back seat when mm. Ch- Chucky's like, oh, I carried a fish. And then the the glasses guy's like, it's okay, I'll sit back here. But Frank is like, no, I'm sitting here. You're sitting there. So like part of me was was thinking, oh, dude, he's going to kill the glasses guy. And then him and Jimmy are going to go run off into the sunset or something. I was not expecting it to happen. And it, it happened and it paid off really well. Uh, that was a very, very captivating 30 minutes for me. I don't know how you felt about it, but I was just very, very intrigued by it.
0: Yeah, so the whole thing like so ever since i was a boy i knew who jimmy hoffa was because of the whole like he he just disappeared Mm -hmm. and so i didn't know what the answer was like i i wasn't sure if it was going to be frank that was killing him or if he was going to decide not to do it and somebody else was going to do it um i i didn't know what hoffa's fate was ultimately i knew what it was going to be i didn't know how it was going to be executed so I was definitely like nervous, but it's kind of like Titanic where I knew the ship was going to sink kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was just the how and the why was really my questions. And uh, I mean, it was cool, but the tension uh, wasn't necessarily there only because um, I knew how it was going
1: to ultimately go. So I under, I, I knew where about Jimmy Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I got you because I knew about Jimmy Hoffa. Um but I didn't I had no idea that this Frank Sheeran character was real, honestly. And I didn't think I was just thinking maybe, you know, he had this opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. Kind of like how um uh once upon a time in Hollywood spoiler, I don't want uh, I shouldn't spoil it too much, but they kind of changed some of the the history around a little bit. That's what I was assuming was going to happen with this but i still kind of knew in my heart of hearts that okay he is going to go through with it to kill him because throughout this 3 hour film that we've we've already watched 3 hours of it or whatever he we're led to believe that frank is all about self-preservation and doing what he can do to protect his family and to get them set up for life and what have you so he's very very loyal to the mob and his loyalty's tested when he has to kill his friend his mentor Jimmy and so part of me was like you know what maybe he won't do it but I think in my heart of hearts I was like he's going to do it yeah Uh, I I did like there was a I don't know if you noticed it or not I wrote it down because I thought it was really cool so when when they're on the way to the house uh, there's a line and he says you never know with this cocksucker with or without Russ there so he's talking about Tony Tony Pro um, and even though Jimmy said even though Frank said, hey, get in the car, Jimmy, like Russ is going to be there. Jimmy still is like, look, don't trust Tony Pro. I don't even really believe you that Russ is there or not, but just be ready for anything. And so in me thinking, I'm like, oh, shit, did he just say that? So then I was expecting some sort of like rebellion or Frank starts killing the other mobsters and Tony Pro or whatever. But yeah, that's I I think that that was a hallmark of a really good filmmaker and really good uh script writing too, screenwriting
0: yeah i i mean i agree um i just it was really weird for me because i don't know if i was already at my breaking point but i was just ready for the movie to be over (laughs) and so um, yeah i I got you i wasn't even concerned i was a little bit like okay let's see how this turns out I'm going to give him two tickets to paradise. And that's why we never see him. And maybe he packs his bags and he leaves tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I just, I wasn't sure. I was like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. Um, but he's the, the way he is portrayed in this motion picture show. Um, he was going to do things. He being Hoffa was going to do things on his terms. And so, that helped sell that he was not going to make it. You know, he you yeah. could never
1: convince him to go into hiding. He would never do that. So when, when they had that, that uh, ceremony scene, the dinner and Russ is talking to him and he's like, you know, it is what it is. That's when you kind of know, because when Hoffa's like, you can't, you can't touch me. I'm Jimmy Hoffa or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he's like, let him try. I got dirt on them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if yeah. history tells us anything, I'm like, dude, you better count your chickens before they hatch, you know, or don't count your chickens before they hatch. You're going to, something's going to happen bro. Yeah, you're going to need a couple things. You're going to need
0: an abacus. You're going to need someone to write down what it is that you're counting. (laughs) Yeah. Check your numbers. Got to crunch those numbers.
1: Got to, yeah, adjust for the wind ratio too. (laughs) Are they nervous? Are these chickens nervous? Are they going to lay
0: egg when they're nervous?
1: Are they roosters? Because they don't lay eggs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They just have sex with eggs to make
1: other chicks. All right, moving on. (laughs) I stinked it. (laughs) Spreading their seed all over the place. (laughs) Um, So I think that uh, this is pretty on purpose. I want to get your thoughts on this, but do you remember the story that Frank says to Russ about being in the military? He's like, Oh, you were in the army, right? When they're speaking in Italian and he talks about the German soldiers, how they, yeah, they, yeah, they dig their own graves and no matter how hard they work, they do it because they think that maybe if they work hard enough that he would spare their lives. And then he just, he blasts them. He just shoots them. So what do you think that kind of meant for this movie? Um,
0: That just that we all have a part to play, I guess. And that when your job is done,
1: so are you. You think so? Uh, So how I interpret it, and just bear with me, how I interpreted it is here you have Frank, who is just following orders, is exactly what he says. You know, You, you do the job, you get paid. He's just following orders, and he's focusing on making sure that his life is set up, that his family's life is set up, but... Through his life, he does these things and he remains loyal to the mob or the family or Russ. And it's not always the right thing, but he is working hard while he's constantly losing relationships with his wife, like he cheated on his wife or whatever. Um, His daughter hates him and will never speak to him because she adored Jimmy. He loses his best friend slash father figure slash mentor in Jimmy Hoffa. All for what? They all all of his friends die off. He's the last surviving member. And no one will talk to him. He's alone in the hospital. And he even says that really kind of sad line. He's like, oh, I didn't even know it was Christmas because he has no one there for him. So He's all alone. yeah. So why would he work so hard if, if there's no chance of salvation, essentially? I don't know. That's how, that's how I interpreted it. And I might be off the walls with it, but I think that that's pretty, I think that's a pretty good comparison per se. Um, yeah, I, I think that there was a lot of imagery in this movie. Um, and I think that kind of kept reminding the viewer about it. So I talked about the ring and the watch and their importance to Frank. Uh, anytime that there was a, you know, a big part, like when he held the gun and shot Jimmy in the head, you could see the watch in the ring. And it was kind of just it's just heartbreaking to see that because I don't think he wanted to do that. <laughs> I know he didn't want to do that, but he had to. Uh, or at least he thought he did. Um, you know, he he constantly was putting himself forward. Like he took the, the stake scam to make some scratch, but um, it, it it progressed from there because then he got into the business with Russ. Well, he lost his job. Then he got into the business with Russ. He almost blew up the linen house, the warehouse for money because he, he wanted more money for his family. And then he almost got basically killed by Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. Russ saved him and then boom, he gets involved with Jimmy Um, he kills Jimmy. Like it's just one constant string of bad decisions, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so did you did you do any research before you saw this movie to to know
1: that um, Frank had confessed? I do. To... I did not. So I actually researched after it because I tried to go into it really fresh. And honestly, I didn't know it was based off a true story. So did you? I knew that it was based off a true story. Yeah. I, I just
0: didn't. Um, I was
1: not aware
0: um, that he had actually confessed to before he died. You know, he had spoken to uh, the guy that, that wrote the book, I believe, uh, that he had uh, killed Hoffa and he had t- did the retelling of his story. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie is basically showing that w- eyewitness accounts had said that, you know, they saw two people leave the restaurant and neither one of those two people were uh, Jimmy Hoffa. They witnesses did see him standing, you know, in front of his car for a long time. And he had called his wife in that afternoon saying, Hey, I got stood up. This is bullshit. Cause you know how he thinks his time is precious and he doesn't yeah. want to be you know, they made that point. They hammered that point home that he doesn't like waiting. Mm-hmm. You get 10 minutes and that's it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had called his wife and said, Hey, there's no one here. And then he's never heard from again. Um, so the movie is pretty much retelling, uh, Frank's story, sort of his confession, uh, before he dies.
1: Yeah. I, um, I thought that was that was a good setup that they did with the time thing and how they made it such a big priority in it. But, yeah, I didn't know anything about this um, and actually had to research what was true and what was false. And they, they took some liberties, but they did a pretty solid job for what it is. And a lot of people, a lot of people were saying that um, the real Frank Sheeran might have been fabricating his story. And maybe that's just what he was claiming. So this movie could all be false. But, you know, who knows? Right. Right. So that's that's funny because, you know, he gets uh, approached by the
0: FBI and, and they're like, you know, why don't you just just tell us who did it? He's mm-hmm. like, everyone's dead. There's no one. There's no one alive that can be upset with whoever you <laughs> if you tell us what happened. It's, it's fine. Everyone's dead.
1: Yeah. No one's going to yeah. whack him or anything.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I do find that fascinating that maybe I mean just one of those that he had the pre in the movie there's the priest that goes to him and reads him his rights sort of thing like he's he's dying of cancer so maybe maybe he's just like i gotta get this off my chest
1: i don't know yeah i so that's that's kind of where i was like maybe he did maybe he didn't though but I, yeah who who really knows i'm not one to say that he's lying because that would seem like it would match up and especially if they were close friends and whatnot but yeah um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that. I just think that Scorsese is, is so uh, great at sticking with what he knows. And I think that's why we get a lot of the same type of movies about these things with excess or uh, loyalty and testing that loyalty, um, sex, drugs, violence. Even, kind of just even a, a
0: period piece. Like he, he just sticks to the same.
1: He is. Timeline. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, it's like nostalgia thing 60s 70s and the 80s or whatever generation you're in yeah past present future sort of thing or i guess not past present future past kind of past present (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you know that's important to remember that he it was was, this was probably this is one of those movies
0: if he can handle it that would really benefit from a, a second viewing um just because of you'll be more familiar with the characters the names the there's a lot of tony's and and you can totally <laughs> sort of wrap your head around it and maybe you can get a better understanding of Frank. Yeah, it's his it's his story, but you're distracted by a lot of things and uh, you forget that he's telling this story pretty much on his deathbed.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: he's He's counting the minutes times very important in this movie when you think about it. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's got to get this out before he dies, is what it feels like. Uh, I didn't think about it when I was watching it, but as we're talking about it, I'm just like, oh yeah, he's in the hospital at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that's kinda yeah
1: crazy. He, he goes to buy his uh, coffin. Yeah, like he, he knows he's on his way out. He goes to buy his coffin. He has nothing else that he can hide from, and maybe he can find solace in death because his daughter won't talk to him. Uh, his other daughter barely talked to him. It's or- yeah, all his quote unquote family is dead. So what is he holding on to? I mean, cool. He, Jimmy Hoffa was bigger than Elvis and Frank Sheeran was his best friend, yet no one knows who Frank Sheeran is. And so it's like you killed your best friend and for what you get absolutely nothing for it. So it's, it's a bummer and he's contemplating all these things and it sucks that it took him this long. I did like the last 30 minutes where he's, you know, he's by himself. He's older. They go into prison and he's kind of having this reflection on his life. I really liked that because I thought that that was when De Niro can shine because that dude is a fantastic actor and I felt bad for him, but it was a little too late sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree. I,
0: I didn't feel bad for a single character in this movie.
1: Really, I felt bad for him just because I feel that he, so he he did, you know, he's in charge of his own life. He made his choices, so he's guilty for everything that he did, but I felt bad in the sense that we all have those times of regret when we're like, man, why didn't I just do this or it's a little too late sort of thing for saying sorry. And so in that sense, I mean, I, I, I felt bad for him, but he was a murderer He did the wrong things. Yeah. And I think that's going back to what we were saying about the violence. That's why Scorsese is constantly trying to remind you, Hey, these aren't good people. Remember that. Right. And I think uh, his daughter, there's this moment when um,
0: an older Peggy is played by Anna Paquin and she comes into the room, like in the kitchen and she's just looking at her dad. She's looking at Frank, Robert De Niro. And she's just like, I am disgusted by you and I'm afraid of you. And, And I'm out the dough. And that Mm -hmm. part was really sad. But I was more sad for for Peggy than I was for Frank. I was like, that's too bad that she she lost her father or who she thought was her father at a very young age. And she never got him back.
1: I know that's sad. Yeah, that one that was sad, too, because like the whole time you remember, he was trying to set up for his family and just (laughs) he didn't he didn't realize that. Yeah, she was terrified of him.
0: That's that's one of those times when you gotta ask yourself, um, how do my actions affect others?
1: I know. And I'm always be- I'm always beating up store owners and throwing them through glass pane windows. Yeah. I, pro- I should I should probably stop that though. Yeah. Eat a biscuit <laughs> or something. Call, call I me. Down. <laughs> um, I so I did enjoy i actually recently canceled my netflix which is kind of a bummer but i am i acquired my friend's login (laughs) and uh and so i watched it on that um i am very glad because so he doesn't have the 4k streaming for it but um even with just the hdr that they have on it it looks very very good i um i like it there were a couple scenes that were weird. Like when they were on top of the roof, uh, in Washington, DC and they were raising the flag, the background looked very, very fake. And so I don't know, maybe they just forgot about that part and kind of did it, fixed it in post or something. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, other than that, everything was pretty authentic and looked, looked great. You know
0: um, the that you mentioned that scene because, um, you know, Jimmy Hoffa is loved by his, his union people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, up until that point, we are led to believe that, yeah, he's not such a bad guy, but it really shows his character when he's like, after George, you know, John F. Kennedy was just assassinated, was just murdered, and all the flags are at half mass. And he's like, you know what? Fuck that guy. <laughs> Put that flag up. <laughs> and it's like, really, dude? Man, man was murdered. And you just are so angry with this family. That you were gonna do that? That's just that's just one big like fuck off and and I think it's in that moment that you're reminded that maybe he's not such a good guy after all. I know, right. So, so short of short of the white collar crime, um, you know, the the embezzlement versus uh the extortion. I forget what the two is that what the two crimes are? Like like uh, uh pro was the extortion or as <laughs> Hoffa, Jim, what, was, Jimmy Loha was fraud. He was fraud. fraud. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And uh so it's kind of funny how that worked. But I mean, I think in that moment you're just reminded of his character. Like, yeah, he is kind of a piece.
1: Right. And and I think that so wh- while killing another person is, you know, heinous and atrocious, um we looked did, though. No, I know. But but Jimmy Hoffa wasn't a good person though either, is, is what I'm trying to say. And right. so Like you you look at it, too, and you're like, look, it's not like Frank killed this, you know, politician who was not corrupt and who was donating to charities and doing all these things. I mean, Hoffa helped build Vegas, essentially, with how he was funding the mob. Right. With the Um, the
0: Teamsters pension, basically. Oh,
1: yeah. So dollars. Yeah, he um, he was the inhibitor to their their acts. So it was, it's, it's all around. It's just, a, it, it's a gritty, violent era and, and lifestyle. And I think Scorsese understands that completely. So I think that that's cool. It's kind of like when I was in a gang, I was a uh, part of the sharks. Nice. We were walking around and we'd run into the jets every once in a while and we'd have a snap battle. Start snapping.
0: I was in a racer scooter gang. We were the orange <laughs> wheelies, the, the Redmond <laughs> wheelies.
1: That's what we were the Redmond wheelies. We were the B-sharps. <laughs> um, that's, all I, that's all I really have on this. Do you have anything else on it?
0: No. I'm done so, um, talking about this motion picture show.
1: Um, I, I I really liked this film uh, I think it was a master class showing Of filmmaking from Scorsese uh, I think that this is Some of the best that I have ever seen Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci, which says a ton Because they have a big resume, but this is Very, very good. It might also be because We haven't seen them in a long time, but I do Think that this is some of the best that they've done um, There are a few slower Moments in the movie, but the Three and a half hour runtime Doesn't always truly feel that long. It's paced pretty well for being a three and a half hour movie. I will say Uh, the movie is a character study exemplified by precise and elaborate dialogue. I wrote all this down because my mind was going all crazy, but uh, and the cinematography and editing were spot on and captivating. I found myself incredibly invested in the characters and what could happen to them despite lack of hardcore action of them, like, you know, grappling and punching and doing whatever. I still was really invested in was excited to see what happened. The climax of the movie was incredibly suspenseful and it will most definitely be studied by film majors to come. I I, I think it will. I think it's going to be one of those scenes that they're going to break down and people will look at it and show how to build tension and how to have exposition in your story. Um, and then one of the biggest themes in the movie I think is loyalty. And we see that tested time and time again throughout the entire motion picture show. Um, and then most of it is hinged on the superb acting talents of those big three. So mm-hmm. those are my thoughts. I wrote it down because my mind was going crazy after this and I had to have it. So, yeah, too, too long. Didn't read. I liked this movie. There you go.
0: Um, the uh, DP was Rodrigo Prieto. Uh, yeah, I saw that. So, I mean, he's got some pretty sweet movies under his belt. Like eight mile.
1: <laughs> Dude, I like I like eight mile. <laughs> a lot, actually
0: uh with the battle
1: <laughs> dude I, I i rap battle i know that entire i know that entire rap battle by heart i used to my brother used to have that dvd and he lived in a separate room like we had a, a detached garage and my dad built like a or had like a upstairs room basically like an apartment and so the oldest kid would always get to live up there and so my brother had eight mile and i'd always go up there and watch eight mile because we had like six dvds at the time and he had two of them but i freaking loved that movie and i remember the entire rap out like huh, murphy um, but he also yeah. did, um, uh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street.
0: Which, uh-huh. Which I know it's your favorite.
1: Uh, it's not my favorite, but I do like it. Ar- uh-huh. Argo. Uh-huh.
0: Argo. <laughs> Argo. I like Argo. Yeah, I do too. I, I am one of those guys though that puts the town over Argo. I just freaking love the town.
1: Oh, I agree. I think The Town is is far and away better than Argo. I love The Town. I think it's it's great. I watched it the other week and I think it's great. The other week. Not the other. Yeah. Week. Um is that it? Are we done? Um yeah, my my letter grade for this film, I'm going to give it an A-. Uh what what are you what are you going to give it? Oh my god. I'll give it a B. A solid B. That's a good, I mean, I think that's a good grade. In uh, Justin Cadaver's uh, body of film work, <laughs> you can, uh, I th- I'd say that's pretty good for you yeah. since you hate everything. So. I like
0: Karate Kid Part Two,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Karate> Kid <laughs> <Troopers>. <laughs> and the star is born. <laughs> Boondock
0: Saints, <laughs> oh, the other one, Citizen Kane. Here's Queen. a hot.
1: <laughs> here's a here's a hot take i don't like boondock saints oh i said it yeah
0: troy duffy man he's uh he's a character
1: i know he says the f word a lot so. um so uh i forgot to ask you i guess we're doing it backwards or have you did you watch any good movie this week or past couple weeks um that you maybe want to recommend mm. besides this <laughs>
0: i don't think so oh you know what i watched i
1: watched crawl the other day Oh, you told me yeah. about that. Was that good? Alligator, it's Sam Raimi, right?
0: Yeah, it was fun. I liked it. I would die pretty early in an alligator movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my swimming's pretty good, but I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't compete, so I'm not fast enough. But um, and I feel like though, if I were in a boat due to weight capacity issues, it might be closer to the water there, and the alligator would jump up and get me. I would not make it, but uh, I did enjoy the movie. Everyone gets wounded a lot. Them them crocs or alligators, I guess I should say. Uh,
1: they they got some teeth. So I haven't seen it yet, but I do like Sam Raimi, and I do like when he makes a fun kind of scary yep. movie like that. It's so fun scary movie. I mean, it's not it's not terrifying by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't even
0: remember a lot of jump scares. Like you're prepared. The entire time like it shows the alligators coming kind of thing like you don't have to worry about um, you know like in those bathroom scenes when they're in the bathroom you know something horrible is going to happen they open up the medicine cabinet and when they close it there's someone behind them kind of thing there's right like, that that doesn't exist in this movie you just see okay you good see people you see alligators and then and then red water
1: <laughs> it's yeah that's it's good. That's something I hate a lot is when you see that jump scare because you're like, oh, this is I know what's gonna happen. They're gonna drop a pen when the camera pans back up. There's gonna be a headless woman behind yeah. her or something like. I that. mean,
0: there were there were definitely tense moments, but it was never just, uh, you know, this crocodile comes flying through the window kind of thing that scares you. But
1: right, I um I watched Over Overlord oh, yeah. on Amazon Prime. That
0: movie's good, dude. That's like a it's like Wolfenstein on steroids.
1: Yeah, I can um, I can totally recommend it to people because it is only about an hour and a half long. So it's a quick watch. It's actually pretty enjoyable. Um, You have um, uh, the Greyjoy guy from Game of Thrones, the bad one, the who like wanted to impregnate Cersei. He plays the evil German in this one. Uh, You have Wyatt Russell. Mr. Kurt Russell's son, who's in it, and then you have—I um, cannot remember his name—but he is blowing up right now. He's in a lot of stuff. He just what I recently saw him in was—he um, was Will Reeves in Watchmen. He was the younger version of him.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah, uh, like uh, Jovan Adepo like, or something like
1: that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's like Jovan Adepo. I think it's his yeah. name. Oh my god, um, when he
0: goes to the bunker. And and he's yeah. kind of hiding and ducking behind the corners and just trying to do the, like the reconnaissance. And he got lost in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whoo! I was scared. I know. I <laughs> know. It was crazy. you just hear, like these screams and like barking dogs, and he's just trying to survive. I'm just like, holy shit, dude! I was like, I might have been holding on to Brett and Felix in the theater while I was. <laughs> I, I was scared. Like that was. Yeah. Just, it was terrifying. Just waiting to get for him to get caught. I was like, Mm "Oh my god, I don't like this at all." It was crazy. Overlord, yeah, uh, good one. You should. It's like I'm over you. Should go sit. You should. Great. Well, thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I hope that. You take the time to watch The Irishman, whether you do it in the jokingly 17 10-minute segments or whatever it was that I'm seeing <laughs> online. It is, it is totally worth your time, and I think you will enjoy it. Um, if, if anything, it is it is a treat to have three of some of the, the biggest uh, A-listers in Hollywood together doing what they do best, and I think that you would be doing yourself a disservice by not watching this motion picture show. Uh, remember to follow us on the Twitter there. Yeah? You have the at DB crazy at uh, Zach 60 and at edgyarmo. Uh, we always appreciate the feedback and we love it when you listen and, or when you watch the show and then you listen to the podcast, uh, that way it's fresh in your mind. I think that helps a lot of people um, and, and bring your thoughts and crazy ideas uh, to the Twitter and let's hear it. And we'll give you a shout out you have a fun and festive evening just like this podcast was (laughs) so freaking cool. Cool. Bye!